Bring it. Yay. Um, we're going to look uh, this morning at uh, Luke chapter 13, verses 31 through 35, um, uh, where uh, Jesus compares himself to a mother hen. Probably, you may not be totally familiar with this passage, but I'm sure you've uh, heard uh, that image, seen that image before. Uh, so in light of that, to help us prepare, let me pray. Lord, uh, we confess uh, to you that uh, we are distracted and cold and um, uh, just uh, pretty uh, unaware of the profound thing that you have done for us in Jesus Christ. And um, we pray today uh, for a real sense of um, something substantial uh, on which to build our lives, uh, to build our hope and to build our sense of uh, safety and of joy. Uh, forgive us for being tempted all the time to look for that uh, in other places. So I pray that you would help us today. Lord, we, um, we ask today for a gift. And the gift that we ask for is a gift uh, that only you can give. And not only is it a gift that only you can give, uh, but we'll never take that gift unless you make us willing to take it. And so we pray not only today for the gift of repentance, but we pray for the heart that uh, would be willing uh, to repent. Would you do that? We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Luke 13, verses 31 through 35, this is the word of God. We should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, go and tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow and the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So I had a little time off this week, and one of the things that I like to do when I uh, have some time off is to engage a little bit with the news. And so what a great week to engage with the news. I followed intently and was mesmerized, really, uh, by the story of uh, those parents who bribed their kids way into college. And reason why I was so interested in that is I wanted to make sure that none of your names were on the list. I don't know what's funny about that, <laughs> uh, but uh, I thought, wow, you know, that sounds exactly right up West End's alley. Parents will compromise all sorts of things that they say they believe for their kids, won't they? And frankly, you know, maybe the outrage that you felt about those parents doing that this week might have something to do with the fact that it gets a little close to home and that, in fact, if you had the means, you might do exactly the same thing. 
I'd just buy a building. Uh, the college that I went to has three buildings on its campus with the name Belk on them. And uh, my mom told me once when I was a kid that, uh, yeah, that's named after uh, the mayor of our fine city. And trust me, the only way he was smart enough to get a college degree is that his daddy bought that dormitory right there. So I'd do it that way, right? Um, isn't it funny how uh, we look at something like that and we, we think about something like that and we think, you know, uh, I would never fall prey to something that ugly, that dark. And yet, for many of us, you know, the, the fact is anytime we find ourselves in a situation where we think, well, I'm immune from that temptation or, you know, I would never sacrifice a principle just for my kids' wants or desires, um, yeah, that's kind of a window a bit uh, into our hearts, right? Last week, we talked about the fact that uh, we're vulnerable, uh, and we're going to continue that a little bit today. Last week, we were talking about the fact that we were vulnerable to temptation. Uh, today, we're uh, vulnerable to pride, which in our culture and uh, in our lives, that uh, looks that looks very good because it looks like self-reliance, and it looks like competence and it looks like the ability to kind of map life out and many of you you know are working really hard to demonstrate to others that you're uh, that you've got it together and that uh, the, the the temptations and the sins that other people fall prey to you're just not vulnerable to right fascinating that uh, that we live lives that way and and the fact is that's a that's kind of a fake way to live, and one of the reasons why there's not much spiritual power or real sense of grace, mercy, and joy in our lives is because we haven't come to grips yet with with what we might do, and in light of what we might do, what Jesus has done, right? So let's, we're going to look at this text today and kind of unpack that, and I hope what you come away with today is, is something that's a bit straightforward. Uh, uh, about the nature of our hearts and the love of God uh, that comes after uh, people who, as these people are, uh, um, we're told, the people of Jerusalem, that they're unwilling. Um, just a quick side note, uh, a couple of folks have said they've you know, been reading the lectionary this year and uh, following along and uh, uh, the, the text and that sort of thing, and they're uh, Uh, A lot of Bible, which has been really good for our congregation. It's good for us to read the Word of God. Um, Sometimes you can get lost in the weeds on this, and you might miss out on what's the big idea. Well, the big idea for Lent is one word. It's repent. If 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 you forget about all the other stuff, that's that's the thing. Repent. Um. And uh, some of you are like, okay, I'm game to repent, but I just can't think of anything to repent of. Well, uh, God will answer that prayer. <laughs> he always does, right? Uh, uh, but the other part, there's some of you who are like, you know, I, I don't really have anything to repent of. Just these little things. So... Um, what we need, uh, what I need, what you need, 
is help with that. Because the fact of the matter is, uh, repentance, as I prayed already today, is a gift. It's not something you can gin up or generate on your own. Um, But the fact that you're even willing to repent at all uh, comes from God. And uh, the, the thing that is so profound to me and so mysterious to me about this is, I believe that God is more powerful than any human will. Well, I don't believe it. I, 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 it's, I believe that like I believe uh, in gravity. It just is. But I am always stunned and always amazed at how uh, stubborn uh, the human will can be not to repent. And so we, as uh, Jesus says of the people of Jerusalem, they were unwilling May it never be said of us that we're unwilling for anything that Jesus might have for us, right? Might be hard, might be challenging, but in the end, uh, it's the safest place for us to be. So let's, let's look at this text this morning. We're going to answer a couple of questions right off the bat and then dig into it a little bit more uh, uh, interesting. So this, this text begins with the Pharisees coming to Jesus and said, saying to him, get away from here for Herod wants to kill you. Now, if you've read the Gospels at all, if you're familiar with them at all, it, it would be stunning to you to think that the Pharisees who are always trying to trip Jesus up or, or, or trying to trick him or try to lead him astray to do something terrible that it would it might strike you as odd that suddenly the Pharisees are really interested in protecting Jesus, right? Like, hey, Jesus, we've heard through the rumor mill that Herod wants to kill you, right? That's that's kind of surprising. That's kind of shocking because the the Pharisees they would you know often have been willing to kill him th- themselves if they could have, right? So so what's going on here? Well, a couple of things are going on here. The Pharisees haven't suddenly got the light, you know, and got religion here and like, hey, we we love. Um, uh, we, we love Jesus and we want to protect him. No, that's, that's not it at all. The, the fact of the matter is what, what is happening here is they're trying to get rid of him. Like, hey, you know, maybe Jesus, if Herod is coming after you, and remember, you know, what Herod did to those babies, you know, with the, at least the people in his family did to those babies when uh, you were born. And uh, remember uh, what Herod did to, you know, to John the Baptist and uh, those kinds of things, you know, the, he could do this for you. And so maybe you need to check out, go somewhere else, right? And so it's not, they're, they're looking to get rid of him. And this is just a way to get rid of him. But not only are they looking to get rid of him, there's a lot of temptation in that, right? Now, uh, the, the temptation is, and Jesus answers that uh, in the text by saying, hey, I know what you guys are doing. And what you're doing is you're, you're trying to uh, prevent me from going all the way, as he says, you're you're trying to prevent me uh, from on the third day finishing my course, right? In other words, what what they're they're trying to do just by threatening him, by uh, putting a temptation in front of him. It's not unlike the temptation that Satan put in front of him last week: is Hey, Jesus, don't do something that's going to cause you pain. Don't do something that might cause you death. You need to get away from here. Don't go to Jerusalem. Don't die. Don't don't do any of those things. Now they don't they don't fully understand that. They just want him to get knocked off course. And I think it's probably not out of the realm of possibility that they could say, you know, he's discredited discredited because a real prophet will go and say unpopular things uh, even at the cost of his own life. Remember John the Baptist, you know, he was a real prophet. He said the truth and look, and, 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 and he died. Jesus is afraid and he's running away, right? 
So it, there is a, there's a sense here in which, and that's why Jesus answers the way he does, I must go to Jerusalem, the place that kills the prophets, and I must go there and I must finish my course, right? So nothing is going to keep Jesus from doing that. And you need to see the very heart of God in that, right? And, and, and the, way, the, the, the way that this uh, uh, is presented to us. Because when Jesus, next slide, uh, when, when Jesus begins uh, to talk about all these prophets that have come there uh, in the past uh, and the fact that Jerusalem rejected those prophets, that they stoned them and that they killed them and they cast them out, you know, that's, that, that, that should get our attention. That should uh, alarm us about the record of failure that these prophets had, right? I mean, how many prophets did God send? A bunch, right? You know, Isaiah, Jeremiah, all of those guys, right? Did they, did, was their message received? Remember Jeremiah, you know, he's the one who said, you know, listen, you guys are in trouble, and unless you repent, the Babylonians are going to come here, and they're going to wreck this place. And they said, don't, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, don't listen to that guy. Yeah, we're fine. Remember Jeremiah said, you know, woe to those who say peace, peace when there is no peace, right? So, so the fact is, what we have to see here when Jesus calls out the fact that these prophets, and you know, we read the prophets and think, wow, that's so awesome. Isaiah, some of the most beautiful words ever written. You know, Jeremiah, uh, you know, I can relate to him, you know, being depressed and despondent and sad all the time. I get that, you know. Uh, I, I, as we, as we look at these guys, we think, you know, there's so much, uh, uh, so much that's great about them. But the fact of the matter is they failed. People didn't listen to them. People didn't want to hear what they had to say. You know, we had that uh, reading earlier in the, in the, uh, service today where Abram, uh, God comes to him in a vision and, and says, you know, Abram's like, look, Lord, you promised me land and you promised me descendants and it's not happening. And they do that weird ceremony where Abram cuts those animals in two and, 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 and basically that's a, an ancient Near Eastern way of making an agreement, of making a covenant between two people. And, and what God is saying is, you know, if I don't keep uh, my covenant to you, Abraham, May it be to me as what's happened to these animals. And there's a, that's why God walks between those animals. Because the fact is, Abram and his descendants are going to fail repeatedly over and over and over again. That's why Jerusalem, this place that is, you know, the, the pinnacle really of, of, of the, the people of God there represents not just great religious thought or great religious people. It represents hard-hearted, cold, put-together religious people like us. You know, it's like, because remember, the people that we're talking about here that killed the prophets are not the prostitutes. The people that killed the prophets are are not the drug addicts. Uh, The people that killed the prophets are not the drunks. It's the people like us. The religious people, the people with the great theology, uh, the people who've studied, the people who have thought about this, who who are like, no, 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 no. You know, you can't you can't talk to me like that. You know, I I've got the answers here, and and you're just wrong, right? Because you see what 
the, the message of the prophets, what the message of Jesus is for us today, and the pathway really to us for real life, real life, not the fake life that we'll sell our souls for, but real life, the pathway to that is by seeing, crying out to God to help us to see who we are and what we are and what he has done in that for us, turning away from those things that we would grasp after and entrusting ourselves to him. For you see, repentance is risky business. It means that I have to admit that I am not the person I think I am. It means that I have to admit that I'm not the person I want to be. It means that I have to admit that I'm under another authority, one outside of me, which is really difficult, right? Because if you place yourself under someone else's authority, you have to listen to them and you have to respond to what they tell you, right? It means that I have to admit that what someone else says about me is true. Uh, All of those things are very hard for all of us to do. So whether you lived in Jesus's day or today, it's, it's tough to hear that, that kind of stuff is people, you know, people don't like it. You know, that's in every age, there are these mystics who write books where Jesus shows up and talks to them. Right. And Jesus says all these great things to us, you know, and I've said this a million times before, but I need to say it again. Those books always sell really well. I, I should write one and retire. But the, 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 the fact of the, of the matter is, you know, if, if, if your Jesus never comes up to you and says, you know, you're hard-hearted. If your Jesus never comes up to you and says, you know, you worship your reputation. If your Jesus never comes up to you and says, you need to stop that because it's killing you. Then you get the wrong Jesus. This Jesus loves you enough, loves me enough to come and place his finger on those things that we will give our hearts and our lives to that will only end in death, right? Because our world tells us that perhaps the worst thing you can do is accept someone else's opinion about who you are. You create your own truth, we're told. Who you are is right for you. Others do not have the right to impose their morals or their beliefs upon you. Well, that's what prophets do. Right. I mean, you know, if if that's the if that's the philosophy of life, you're in deep weeds, man, because that's what you that's 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 how you make your living. You tell people that's right and that's wrong. And if people don't want to hear that, you're in trouble. Right. Isn't that funny? I mean, that's um, when you're selling something that nobody wants to buy. It's like the rutabaga salesman. When was the last time you bought a rutabaga? Do you even know what it is? It's not a car. It's a it's a thing you eat, kind of like a turnip, but not really. It's St. Patrick's Day. I guarantee you, you can find a rutabaga on somebody's menu uh, in, in Richmond today. But you know what? Not many rutabagas going to get eaten. I'm not interested in that. You know, right? Others do not have the right to impose their morals or their beliefs upon you. Your decisions are right for you. And accepting someone else's opinion about who you are is tantamount to treason. It is a betrayal of yourself and everything mankind has driven so hard and so long to achieve. And so if someone uh, says you are a sinner or what you're doing is wrong, don't believe it. That might be their truth, but it doesn't have to be yours. If someone tells you you're not good enough, don't believe it. That might be their opinion, but it doesn't have to be yours. And if you're rich enough, you can buy your way around it, can't you? Right? 
If someone tries to tell you anything, be skeptical. Don't allow them to impose their thoughts and teachings upon you. Who you are is who you want to be. Nothing more, nothing less. Right? So the fact of the matter is, what is happening here is that for centuries, God has been sending faithful people in love to help his people see and believe the truth. And there's something about us, something that's true of us, that keeps us from embracing that. And then Jesus has this lament where you can hear the sadness uh, and, and the frustration, really, in his voice of, of what he says. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stone those, stones those who are sent to it. How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wing and you were not willing, right? One of the, like I said, I was on break this week and one of the things I, I got to do while uh, I was on break was scan some uh, other news stories. And I came across one that was particularly interesting to me. Um, some of you raise chickens. There's the urban chickens, right? You've, don't we have some urban chickens in, in, this, in this congregation, right? Urban chickens, they're the cool ones, you know? Listen to the best music, right? That, those kind of chickens. And then, then there's the free-range chickens, which are the rural chickens. These are the kind I want to tell you about. So there's this farm. It's actually an agricultural school in the nation of France. Uh, this week, uh, uh, they use these chickens to raise eggs and also to teach uh, students about uh, poultry uh, science. Poultry science. I regret that my son that went to tech didn't get a degree in poultry science. I think I always wanted to meet somebody who had a degree in poultry science. I, I think that would be interesting, right? Anyway, they got up to check on the chickens. They go in the chicken house, the hen house, and laying there on the floor in the uh, uh, hen house, I'm not making this up, is a dead fox. Been pecked to death. <laughs> and I'm sure if those hens could have, they would have taken that fox and nailed it to the door of the hen house as a warning to all other foxes that you don't want to come into our chicken house because these hens mean business. It's true. You can read it. It's, I, I'm not making this up. This really happened, right? Those, I, you know, can't eat those hens, man. They are something. Well, the fact of the matter is, you know, we, we see this image and we hear this and we think this is, this is such a, such a bizarre image, right? Uh, that Jesus would compare himself to a hen. Well, hens love their chicks because their chicks are probably the most vulnerable next to humans. Who, by the way, can't walk or talk for a long time after they're born. Chicks are clueless, tiny and defenseless, right? It's hard to think of a more tender picture of the love of God for us than that. The image of the good shepherd is better known, but how vivid the image of a mother hen with her helpless and vulnerable chicks under her wings while hungry beasts in search of a quick and easy meal prowl about birds of prey soar overhead and all sorts of other dangers unknown to the chicks lurk around every corner. The only line of defense Between these and the chicks is her wings, and she would give herself for the life of her chicks. Right? 
But here's the thing. Those chicks uh, are unwilling to take the path to protection under the wings of the one who loves them and will give up their lives for them, right? So we have to ask the question, right? Jesus says, you know, I would gather you. I would bring you to safety. I would protect you. I would make you my own. I would consistently be that to you. Why then are we unwilling? What makes us unwilling? Well, there are a million things that make us unwilling. For many of you, you prefer the sin that you indulge over the uh, uh, the true pathway of, of repentance. You see, one of the things that we mistake in our church, this is a besetting sin of, of, of West End Presbyterian Church. And those of you who are visiting today, you can check out for a minute because this isn't true of you. But the, one, of our, one of our besetting sins um, is the fact that we confuse repentance with bragging on how bad we are and creating... Um, Fellowship with others about how terrible we are, right? And that we kind of laugh and we kind of snicker about that, right? That's one of the ways that we deny the safety that we have. The other way that we do it is, you know, it is hard for us to admit that we are weak and we are vulnerable and that unless Jesus protects us, unless we hide ourselves in him, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, uh, um, you know, we will do almost anything to demonstrate our togetherness, our resume, uh, our strength, our independence, how smart we are, right? Yeah. So I think it's, for many of us, it is a kind of pride that keeps us from recognizing uh, that without the work of God in our lives, we're dead. Right. So what's the pathway to uh, the shelter of the wings? Well, I think the the pathway to that is coming to grips with the fact that uh, where real life is found is not in all these other things that I would confuse or might actually sometimes prefer uh, as the source of my life. Right. Uh, I mean, I'll trade, you know, being under Jesus's wings if I can get you to be impressed with me. Right? Maybe your besetting sin is different from that. I don't, I don't know. But I, I do know that the pathway to that is the recognition that we are vulnerable and that we are liable to death uh, outside of the protection that only Jesus Christ can give us. And finally, where do you find that shelter? Well, you find that shelter in Christ. And that means giving up all those other things that I might tend to hide myself in or protect myself in and throw myself underneath his protection. Because you see, the protection that Jesus gives us is the protection against all vulnerabilities. All vulnerabilities. I want to say that again. I want to be very clear about this. And I'm not being Joel Osteen here, right? That, you know, what Jesus does, if you hide yourself in him, you can have your best life now. Your kids will be beautiful. You'll be beautiful. Your car will never break down. You'll never get sick. No one you love, including yourself, will ever die. It's all going to be great forever and ever and ever right now. And, um, yeah. 
The fact is the safest place in the world in which we live and the place uh, where the people that we love live uh, is recognizing our vulnerability and that you and I are as vulnerable, maybe even more vulnerable to temptation, to sin and death uh, than those baby chicks. And that the only place for a chick to hide is in Jesus. But the fact is Jesus' life, death, and resurrection for us provides us with all the security we will ever need, even in the face of our own mortality. You're vulnerable. I'm vulnerable. But praise God, Jesus took on that vulnerability, gave up his life so that we have a place to live and to be and to hide. That's the pathway to repentance. The disciples prepared the Passover, and when it was evening, Jesus came with the twelve, and they were reclining at the table, and as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And and he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Let's confess our sins together by using this uh, prayer of confession that's uh, uh, from Isaiah. Sovereign Lord, you said that in repentance and rest is our salvation. And quietness and trust is our strength. But we would have none of it. Yet you long to be gracious to us. You rise to show us compassion. Believer, hear these words of encouragement. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. 
On the night in which he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread and he broke it just as I do now, ministering in his name, and he gave it to his disciples. We prayed earlier in the service uh, for those who are struggling with terminal illness. And I know for many of you, as you uh, heard that prayer today and you prayed that prayer, you called forth people that you know and love who uh, are struggling and dying with Alzheimer's or cancer or those sorts of things. One of the things you might miss about that and one of the things that... uh, the season of Lent is great for for us is that you prayed for yourself when you prayed that prayer. Did you know that you are temporarily able-bodied? Um... And so in light of that vulnerability, it's good to be reminded that spiritually, I'm just as vulnerable without the life, death, and resurrection of Christ for me. It's great news today that Jesus finished the course for us. Even in the face of opposition and temptation, not the least of which was the temptation to avoid suffering on the behalf of people who, unless he changes their hearts, would be remain unwilling to repent. But Jesus finished the course, and that's our hope. That's our only hope. That's our only joy, really, in the final analysis. That the vulnerability that lurks in the back of our hearts and minds cannot be done away with by good planning, healthy eating. Right? But can only be done away with by the sacrifice of the one who loves us. So if you've come to that place in your spiritual life where you have no other hope but that, and what a hope it is. What a rich hope it is. What a profound hope it is. You felt your vulnerability and yet you see and you have hidden yourself in the work of Jesus Christ for you. Then he is here today standing before you, urging you to taste and see his goodness and to hide yourself in him, the place of safety and joy. If you've come to that place in your spiritual life where you know that's your only hope and you profess that to a body of believers somewhere, he says today, hey, Come, taste, see, I finished the course for you. As the elders come down front this morning to assist me, let me remind you that the uh, outer ring is wine, the inner rings are grape juice, all the bread uh, is bread that is gluten-free.